From the Lexington Herald-Leader at Kentucky.com, this is sports columnist John Clay. It is Tuesday, July the 28th, 2020. And last week, a U.K. faculty group in African-American studies sent a letter to U.K. President Dr. Eli Capilouto making uh, 10 requests uh, that it would like to see made things that it would like to see done as far as improving the uh, faculty numbers, African-American faculty numbers at the University of Kentucky, the student African-American student presence on campus uh, and an the last request on that list was that they asked that the name of Adolph Rupp be taken off of Rupp Arena, the Rupp Arena being be renamed, saying that Rupp's name had come to represent racism and exclusion. And they wanted to see, since the Rupp is in the middle of a renovation and the Lexington Civic Center is in the middle of a renovation as part of that, that Rupp's name be taken down. Uh, I wrote about that in my column for uh, this past Sunday, which you can find on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. But I wanted to talk to somebody who had covered Rupp at the time, back when Rupp was coaching. And I wanted to talk to Dave Kindred, who was a longtime uh, writer and sports columnist for the Courier-Journal, uh, went on and wrote for the Washington Post, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the National. Uh, Dave has written several books. He is uh, like the gold standard of sports columnists over the years. Dave is now living. He's re- basically retired from everyday sports writing, although he does still write. If you follow him on Facebook, he's living back in Illinois. But I wanted to talk to Dave about his time when he covered Rupp in the 60s, uh, when a lot of these uh, race issues were going on and a lot of uh, about Rupp in the in the last few years of his career, just his impressions of Rupp and what it was like during that time. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy. This is my conversation with Dave Kindred, sports columnist, formerly of the Courier Journal. Uh, and I talked to Dave about his time covering Adolph Rupp. Okay. First of all, Dave, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, we were talking. My pleasure, John. <laughs> you, uh, for those Dave Kindred fans from his days at the Courier and then at the Washington Post, Atlanta, um, the National, uh, golf magazines, all in his books. You are now living in Morton, Illinois, correct? Actually, I live outside of Morton, Illinois. Outside, I that's live, right. Uh, You're telling me that, yes. I live in. I live in the country, about 15 miles from Morton. And you lived there how long? We've been here 10 years now. Moved in the fall of 2010. Because my wife and I both are natives of Atlanta, Illinois, the third largest Atlanta in the United States, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And and we both are older now and thought it was kind of time to come home, always a circle. So. I was writing freelance, you know, and uh, we looked for a place in Illinois and wound up here. My mother was alive at that time, living in Morton. My sister lives there, had extended family. My wife had cousins and that around. So we moved back here. And the Cheryl, my wife, didn't really want to do that because she said, what about the weather? And I said, you know, we lived there the first 25 years of our life. How bad can it be? (laughs) Well, the first winter we were here, it was a record snowfall, 55 inches over the winter. You know, and it started snowing in uh, November and stopped in March. The entire basketball (laughs) season was nothing but one long blizzard. You know, and so, but after that, it hasn't been that bad since. And I've kept busy doing basketball. I went from 
writing about Adolph Rupp to writing about a basketball team coached by Bob Becker. And that team happens to be the Morton High School girls basketball team. And I've been writing about that girls basketball team for 10 years now. Right. Yes. And it's been a great time. If you follow Dave on Facebook, you will know all about the Morton. Are they are the Lady Potters? Is that right? Yes, Lady okay. Potters. That's right. Yes, that you. Morton, crowned... Morton, uh, Morton, the city was famous for a pottery factory. Okay. That's why they're called the Potters. Okay. What 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 drew you to girl to the girls' basketball team? My sister was a babysitter of a young girl named Carly Crocker. And when we moved back here, actually a couple of years before we moved back, Carly was 12 years old. And in my sister's kitchen one day, everybody had been a cheerleader. My wife had been a cheerleader. Carly's mother had been a cheerleader. Neighbor woman had been a cheerleader. The neighbor said to Carly, so are you going to be a cheerleader too? And Carly said, no, I'm going to be the one they cheer for. So she was a basketball player then, and she had me at the no. So came back here, and she was on the high school team. I went to a game. Being a professional sports writer, it's impossible for me. I don't know about you, John, but it's impossible for me to go to a basketball game and not want to pay attention right. and not want to go ask a question. You know, why'd you do that? Wasn't that great? And so... I went to the father of a player, one of the Potter's stars, who I was told had a website about the team. So he didn't know me, no reason that he should know me. He later described our meeting as this disheveled old man came out of the stands. (laughs) And I couldn't argue with any of that. Uh, But I told him, you know, I'd like to write something for him, you know, and he thought that I was trying to take over the website. I said, no, I just want to write about your games. And he told this, and I didn't remember it, but as I walked away from him after introducing myself, just as Dave Kindred, blah, blah, blah. And I could tell that he was like doubtful about this disheveled old man. And as I walked away, I looked back at him and said, you could Google me. You know, and, you know, later I've embellished it a little bit later by saying that I wanted him to know that I could actually spell and type. And that's so I started writing about the team then. That was the winter of 2010. I now have written probably a half million words about that team, produced four books, did a book, kind of souvenir fans kind of book each time they won a state championship because this team turned out to be very good. Won four state championships in five years. So it's been a a great time for me. As John Madden once said about doing TV, you know, it gave my life a schedule, gave me two or three games every week, something to write about all the time. And it turned out to be uh, great fun. I loved watching the games you know, and the the girls were always very good. Uh, and I don't, and it was really, as I said, closing a circle. It's back to where I started. You know, I was a 
little point guard before there were point before any of and they even knew what a point guard was, you know, and in these little gyms around central Illinois. So now I've been driving to these little gyms and watching people that probably could have beaten me to 21, you know, 20 out of 21 times. <laughs> so it's been good. Has it, has it sort of proven the adage that if you are a sports writer and you really love sports and you really love writing, you can write on any sort of competition, whether it's high school or pro or you find enjoyment or something to write about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without question. You know, I, one of my rules of life, one of the things I've said to students before, I, I taught at Bradley University and taught at my alma mater, Illinois Westland, which is if you're paying attention, you really are paying attention. And that's not as easy to do as you think it is. But if you're really paying attention, you'll see something in every game, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, whatever. You'll see something in every game you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Right about that. And that's what I did in these games all the time. You know, and then I and that thought first occurred to me watching Michael Jordan. Really? You know, I, I, I'd go to a Bulls game. I traveled with the Bulls for a week uh, to do a long piece on Jordan for the National. And every game, he'd do something that not only I had never seen before, but nobody had ever seen that before. Jordan was always doing that. So now I go to a girls' game. I'll look for a thing I've never seen before, whether it's a girls' thing I've never seen before or it's just a sports thing, a, a life lesson thing, something. If you really care enough to pay attention, and <laughs> actually kind of funny, you know, because I'm old, you know, I sit and because it's girls basketball and nobody goes except the parents, really mm-hmm. parents and grandparents, you know, grandmothers have gathered around me. Yeah. They, <laughs> for some reason that they, they, I wind up sitting in the grandma section. <laughs> There's no press box. These things, right. just, you know, all these grandmas whose husbands don't want to come to the game. So they're sitting beside me. And they've they've learned don't bother Dave while the game is going on. <laughs> so they don't. He's concentrating you know? on the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching. I'm actually watching a girls' basketball game because I like it. I want to be able to write something. I write about it as seriously as as when I say seriously, I mean craft wise. I don't mean right. solemn. I mean I want to do the best story that anybody could write about that game or that night. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying attention and I don't tell them to shut up. They just <laughs> they may know. be talking to me and I'm not responding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's gone. Okay. We'll, we'll talk to him at halftime or something because I'm taking notes and I'm watching the game. And, uh, so it's, yeah. So you can write about anything. I think if you, you know, this, I did a thing the other day on a TV news director named, Roseanne Shannon in Omaha, Nebraska. I read who, on your Facebook page. Yes, who has has said that you know she knows nothing about sports, but she always thought that sports writing was the best part of the newspaper. It was always the best writing, and I think that's true because it's a you know there's a drama every night. You know, you know somebody's going to win or lose. Something right. is going to happen. So it's not a question that's going to be answered like in 99 days, 
is Donald Trump going to win the presidency? You know, it's going to be answered tonight. Right. You know, and and so it's there's drama built in, and if you're paying attention, you'll see something you've never seen before. You know, and you're right about that. One of the the Lady Potter's stars was a girl named uh, Tinley Dowell, twisted an ankle one night. You know, and after the game, she comes out of the locker room, uh, but she's not walking. Her father is carrying her. She's a trainer. So I wrote about that. You know, I've never seen that before. I've never, Michael Jordan never got carried by his father to the training room. You know, so it, it is, it's just fun. And it's, it's writing. I just love to write. I love to, to watch the games. And so it's been uh, really a, a godsend for me. Well, one of the things, uh, and I still have them, Mike Johnson, my uh, old editor, the man who hired me at the Herald-Leader, passed out to the staff, Dave Kindred's 10 Rules of Sports Writing, and they all stuck with me, but one of the ones that really stuck with me was you said that when you're writing a story, when you're thinking about what to write about, think about what you would tell a friend who hadn't seen the game, Mm -hmm. what you would tell them about the game, what's the first thing that comes into your mind, and a lot of times that's what the people, if you're interested in it, that's what people are interested in and that has always stuck with me so uh yeah i believe that you know that's uh for sure you know because that's that's what we do you know and that's one of the kind of problems is why newspapers over the years have tended to be dull in game stories because they have a feeling that they need to get all the numbers in there too quick you know and if you can find something else you can find you know, the star being carried to the trainer's room by her father, you know, then you can write about that. And that catches people's attention in a kind of a universal way instead of a a number statistical kind of way. Right. So it's, you're telling a story, telling a story more than you're reporting the news. Right. Well, speaking of telling a story, and let's let's go back to the beginning. As you mentioned, you've gone from Adolph Rupp to the girls' basketball team there in Morton, Illinois. Uh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, about your days, uh, your experiences with Coach Rupp. Uh, his name has come up in the news here lately where a U.K. faculty group is uh, – actually they sent 10 – sort of requests or recommendations to UK President Dr. Eli Capilouto of things that they would like to see changed. And number 10 on that list was renaming of Rupp Arena. Uh, it it uh, unfortunately probably has gotten the most attention of any of the other uh, requests uh, that were made by this faculty group. Uh, and I, I wrote a column about it on, on Sunday uh, for the Sunday paper about the, the the name, where I take the position that I don't think they should take the name down. Uh, but anyway, I've just your your dealings with Rupp. What were your impressions of Coach Rupp? Uh, how did you feel about uh, his? As far as uh, you know, obviously it was a very complicated time, very complicated issue uh, with the issues of race. Uh, just what what are your thoughts on the on that subject? Well, I I came to Louisville in 1965, December of 65. That, of course, was the Rupp's Runt year. Uh, I was just a kid uh, on the desk writing headlines on little stories, two-paragraph stories, editing copy. Uh, I never went to a game that season, but I was the beat guy on Kentucky basketball the next season, 66-67, which turned out to be uh, Kentucky's worst season ever, 13-13. and 13. Adolph Rupp's worst season ever. But 
I was a basketball fan. I'd read basketball history. So I was fascinated by the idea of, of ever meeting Adolf Rupp. I can still remember the first time I saw him in the hallways of the Memorial Coliseum. His office was uh, in there outside the SID, outside the sports information office. I met him. He was a tall guy. He was, there was some heft to him. Um, and I dealt with him all of that season. And then for the next, what, five, six seasons before he retired, you know, and, and by then, by the time he retired, I had become a columnist in 69. And because Rupp was by far the most famous sports person in the state, I wrote about him as often as I could. And he disliked almost everything I wrote about him all the time. <laughs> um, but the, the great thing about Adolf, because, again, I was a kid. I was a kid just beginning, and I was probably picking on him more than I should have. You know, what are you hanging around for, old man? Of course, now I'm much older than he was at the time. And if anybody <laughs> said that to me, you know, why are you hanging around? You know, I'd be mad, too. Uh, so I wrote about him a lot. But the great thing was, and I don't think this is true of probably any coach at that time or any coach since, but his phone number was in the Lexington phone book. Mm-hmm. You know, and what is it, East Boulder Avenue? Was that I his street? That, I think that's right, yes. Uh, and you could just call him up. If he didn't want to talk on the phone, he'd have the phone turned off. But every time that I called and he answered the phone, you know, he'd chew me out for like the first five minutes about some something I had done wrong, some way I had wronged him um, by way of showing just exactly who's in charge here. And then he would say, and what was it you wanted, young man? And then he would talk to me for whatever the column idea was. And it was always great. You know, and so... I liked him certainly as a subject. I was fascinated by him as a character and as a legend. I can remember one of the last times, maybe in the last season, I was sitting with him uh, at practice. Uh, Joe B. Hall was his number one assistant by then, and Joe B. was running the practice, and Adolph was sitting up in the stands, and so I sat with him. He's in his khakis, as always, and... All you can hear in the in Memorial Coliseum, the ball is bouncing and shoes are squeaking, and Adolph is sitting up there, and he says, the legislature should pass a law that at 3.30 every afternoon, anybody over 70 years old can have a shot of bourbon. <laughs> because he was about to go to sleep. He needed to be awake, you know, and... And he was always, I mean, he called one time, I called, one time he called me and wanted to know why I said he was, in, he was upset that I had said that we were having lunch someplace and he wolfed down his chili. Is that a Brookings? He said, he, might have been. He said, why do you say I wolfed down my chili? I said, because you did. Because he was a... I can remember again eating dinner with him someplace, and he was talking about recruiting. He said the the he said the way I like to look at recruits, so I like to take them to dinner. You know, you can tell by the way they eat. 
if they're going to be aggressive on the court or not. If they're aggressive eating, they're going to be aggressive on the court. See this steak, he said, some big steak he had. Cliff Hagen would eat that steak in three bites. Chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> okay, I get it. You know, so there was always that kind of thing. Uh, you know, and I, I suppose I was harder on him when he was 72 than I should have been because he wanted just to keep the job. Right. I think the university had a mandatory retirement age, so he had to go. And the whole thing with Duke and the Memphis Tams, all that stuff that came after his career uh, was was kind of sad because, right. you know, he was trying to hold on. You know, he was Adolph Rupp, right. and he wanted to keep being Adolph Rupp. And I agree with you, by the way. We'll go to this whole renaming the arena thing. Uh, I wouldn't argue for renaming it, but I understand I understand the logic there, you know, and I would leave it as Rupp, but I'm not sure I would leave it at Rupp at the cost of, uh, of a grieving a group of people who, in these times, now 50 years later, I mean, it's been 50 years since Adolph Rupp recruited a black player. Right. You know, okay, so the maybe the first. 30 years of his career at Kentucky, you know, he was reluctant. He was reluctant. And yet in 1964, he recruited Butch Beard out of Breckenridge County. Right. First black player. Wes Unseld was like the year before. Unseld might have gone to Kentucky one time. He said various things, but Wes, who died last month, great guy. You know, he'd have been... You know, if he wanted to be, he would have been the guy that Rupp could have done it with because he was the Jackie Robinson kind. You know, a bright guy would have taken all the abuse that was going to come. Um, but Wes felt slighted by Rupp. I think Rupp sent Harry Lancaster to recruit him at his house instead of Rupp coming to his house himself. Right. And so Wes said, I'm not going to do that. But I think in the end, and Butch has had, has told different stories too. I think in the end, neither one of them. And who could blame them? You know, a young black guy who wants to go to Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia. Right. You know, in the '60s when Mississippi is burning and young black guys are showing up at the bottom of the Mississippi River. You know, who wants to do that? Right. So instead of being at the northernmost school in a southern-based conference, the SEC. They decided they'd rather be at the southernmost city in a northern-based conference, the Missouri Valley, right. western-based at least. So I understood that, and I thought Rupp was always, not falsely, but flimsily accused of being a racist because probably was born in the 19th century in Kansas, grew up, you know, grew up as a coach and as a person. You know, in those early years of the 20th century, you know, um, so I think that that he did coach a black player at Freeport High School. Freeport, by the way, is the Pretzels. You think the Potters is a funny name? Freeport's the Pretzels because there was a German 
German pretzel factory in Freeport. So Rupp had a black player in high school. He coached a black player. You know, Dick Gabriel is documentary on this whole race issue. Everybody who cares about this issue really should pay attention to that. Right. He had lots of information in there that no one else has ever done. Uh, at Barksdale on the Olympic team, right. you know, he recruited Beard. He recruited Unsold. You know, Bill Spivey one time told me, you know, Adolf would have recruited green people. He just wanted to win. Right. It wasn't that he hated black people. He hated white people, too. He hated everybody who couldn't help him win. You know, and so it. The great Arbach said the same. Said that. Uh, yeah. It said he, you know, friends with Adolf. The only thing, the only people I saw Adolf hate were people who couldn't play basketball. I think that's what Arbach yeah. said. Yeah. You know, and, and I was around, of course, I was much, you know, I was 50 years younger than Rupp or 20, 40 years younger than Rupp at the time. So it wasn't like I was a confidant, but I never heard him talk. I never heard him be George Wallace. Uh-huh. I never heard him be David Duke. I never heard any of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I can understand today's Black Lives Matter thinking. I can understand that. And when you look back 50 years, but in the end, you know, it's like my former boss at the Washington Post, Don Graham, did a Facebook post about Andrew Jackson, the statue that protesters were trying to tear down in Lafayette Square across from the White House. Andrew Jackson was terrible, terrible person, you know, led the United States genocide against Indians, Trail of Tears, you know, genocide, moving people out, you know, killing those who wouldn't move. And yet he was a president and did good stuff in the presidency. He was a ghastly person this part of his life. He was a great person here. How do you balance that? And that's kind of what I say about Adolf Rupp. Mm-hmm. Adolf Rupp created Kentucky basketball. Is there anybody in Kentucky who doesn't want basketball now? Is there anybody who isn't happy that Adolf Rupp made basketball important in Kentucky? Maybe too important. But is there anybody who wishes they didn't win all those national championships? Rupp won four. You know, how many have they won since then? Another four. You know, Patino called it the Holy Roman Empire of basketball. You know, so does that outweigh the, in my mind, the kind of flimsy accusations of racism? Mm -hmm. I think it does. But I'm an old guy now. And my time was, is, was past, you know, but I would still, it, it, I'm sorry, John, is it going to be a new arena? Are they building an actually new building? No, no, it's the same arena. They're, they're in the middle of kind of uh, doing a renovation of it. They're kind of an ongoing renovation. Well, I would have the, a, they're redoing the convention center and so forth. That's one of the re- things that was mentioned in the, uh, uh, in the letter uh, as part of the renovation. Yeah. They should rename the arena, but it's not a new arena. No. Yeah. Well, you know, I would I would keep the name, but I would bet money with you right now. I'd, I'd bet everything that the Lady Potters have paid me for ten years, <laughs> which is, as you know, about a thousand boxes of milk duds. Yeah, right. that was the that was that was my deal. After like three years, after about three years, I told the guy running the website, "Look, I'm a professional sports writer. I've been doing this for nothing. 
And he <laughs> said, negotiate a deal. <laughs> so yeah, we negotiated. He, I said he he took he he took inventory of my ability, my experience, and my good looks, <laughs> and said, "How about a box of milk duds?" <laughs> so I've been writing for milk duds, but I would be willing to bet you a box of milk duds that when this arena is finished, that it will be the What's the biggest bank in Kentucky? Well, it, are, it already know. is the Central Bank. It's Rupp Arena at the Central Bank Civic Center now. As has so they just the want to take year. Rupp. Oh, they just want to take Rupp's name off that, even. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, everybody still refers to it as Rupp Arena, just as the football stadium yeah, here is now Kroger Field, but people still call it Commonwealth yeah. Stadium because that's what it was when yeah. it was built in the seventies. But yeah. uh, you know how that goes. But well, but how? Uh, but how big of an issue was it at that time? Uh, at, uh, in the late 60s, before he signed Tom Paine, even after he signed Tom Paine, how big of an issue was it that people said, well, well is it, Rupp does not, he doesn't like, he won't sign black players, he won't recruit African-American players? How big of an issue was it? I mean, was it something people talked about all the time, or was it just kind of in the background? I don't remember anybody talking about it ever. Really? You know, again... You know, I was a kid. I was basically a kid trying to just do tomorrow's column. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I have to admit that I wasn't that attuned to it. But the thing is, John, and I had hard, as you can tell, I'm kind of stuttering and stammering. I have a hard time explaining why I never wrote anything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, because it was changing in front of our eyes. And yet it was like, you didn't talk about that. You know, you didn't quote coaches who said, yeah, we're going to start one at home, two on the road, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe two at home, maybe three on the road. And if we really need to win, we'll have five in there. Oh. Yeah, that's the way they talked. But you didn't write that. It mm -hmm. seemed too, too sensitive. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you saw that, that Louisville's program was changing. Jim Price, Junior Bridgman, you saw that, but you never wrote about it. Right. You know, and that's a failing probably. But when I look back, you know, I've read a lot, a lot about the Kentucky Western, the Kentucky Texas Western game, mm -hmm. you know, the whole glory road movie thing, all of that, you know, the board, Brown versus board of education of basketball that changed history at the, that moment in the March of 1966, nobody wrote about that. Right. Nobody saw that as a black against white game. Nobody wrote about it anyway. Sports Illustrated covered the game. They never wrote about it. Right. The only guy that ever wrote about it was a guy in Philadelphia named Bill Conlon. Mm -hmm. And he wrote about it in that sense, that this was a moment. You know, but the fact, you know, what is it? Two years before, Cincinnati had won with four black starters. Right. So it was coming. It was happening. It was just so convenient. And Adolf made a big target mm -hmm. because Adolf, I don't think Adolf was ever a diplomat and he wasn't going to be a diplomat about that, but I don't think anybody ever pressed him on it or asked him the questions, right. but it was easy to paint him as a villain. Here's this imperious, cold son of a bitch from Kentucky, mm -hmm. you know, and, and now his five pretty white guys, Rupp's runs going to play a team with five black guys those white guys must be racist mm -hmm. you know i think it was a false 
a, a, a false picture at the time. And unfortunately, and I've said it's a coincidence of history, you know, that that, that happened. Mm-hmm. If there had been four black guys, you know, okay, you know, it would not have been so convenient to make it that thing. And, and Rupp got stuck with that at a time when, uh, you know, he couldn't really recover from it. Right, right. No, I yeah, you know, I've done a couple of stories on anniversaries of that '66 game, and I talked to Frank DeFord, who covered it for Sports Illustrated, and that's what uh, Frank DeFord said at the time when he covered it. It was not a big deal at the time. It was something that yeah. you knew, but you didn't really write about or ask about. But over it, but after that, it just grew with each year. Uh, the significance yeah. of the game, but at the time, nobody can nobody treated it that way. Not at the time that it well, was played. I, I, yeah, I can, as I, as I said, I had trouble thinking back at those years, you know, because I was conscious, certainly conscious of the civil rights movement, right. all of that. You could not not be conscious of it. You know, the the unrest, cities on fire, you know, Bobby, I still remember my I was at home asleep when my wife called me from her work at Our Lady of Peace Hospital. You know, in in Louisville, she called me and said they've shot Bobby now. Really? You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, and King gets killed. You know, certainly you're conscious of it, but maybe, maybe it was the outside world, outside of sports, was so much on fire that you didn't want to bring it into sports too. Mm-hmm. So you never wrote about the kind of what you saw happening. Uh, so I, I I feel bad about not having written about it. Uh, I do because it's I should have written about it, and because I didn't write about it, I don't know it well enough now to say that Rupp was a, a consciously um, avoiding b- the black players, or if that was you know he he was by then he was over sixty years old. Right. How many of us when we get to be sixty years old? are smarter than we were when we were 30 or 40, you know, and when he's been winning a thousand games, you know, what did he win? 829 games and his players lost 212 or something. (laughs) If those boys had done what he told them to do, he wouldn't have lost it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not any of those games. Well, yeah, and I and I wrote in my column on Sunday. I grew up. I was uh, I was born in Paris, nearby Lexington, and uh, the the all the African American the black high school in Paris was Paris Western High School, which always had a good basketball team, and they had a coach, uh, Bill Reed, Chief, they called him. Uh, and in the ni- early late nineteen forties, early nineteen fifties, they had a player named Jim Tucker. And Rupp was friends with, I always heard growing up that Rupp was friends with uh, Coach Reed, Mr. Reed, as he was later when they integrated. He was assistant principal at Paris High School and was friends with my grandmother, who was library in there. And he came to see him play. Either he came to see him play or he saw him play in the Black State Tournament. And after he saw Jim Tucker play, he told Reed, Coach Reed, and he went into the locker room and told Tucker, you know, I can't take you at Kentucky because of my situation, but you, you're good enough to be an All-American basketball player. And if it's okay with you, I'm mm-hmm. going to call around to my friends and get somebody to take you. And he ended up at Duquesne, and he was an All-American and played in the NBA. So, I mean, I'd heard those yeah. types of stories growing up, too. Yeah. But then you also yeah. heard the other types of stories, you know, about Rupp, too. So, you know, it was just, a, you know, it's a very, it was a very complicated issue at a very complicated time. So, 
uh, you know, uh, but I'd always heard that story. Uh, and I think Dick, oh, yeah. uh, I, Dick, rec- Dick talked to uh, Jim Tucker in his documentary who recounted that story. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. and I had a guy call me and say that he was friends with Herky Rupp and that he was around coach Rupp and he asked coach Rupp one time, who's the best basketball player you ever saw play? And Rupp said, Julius Irving. And he said, if yeah. Rupp was really a white supremacist, would he have told me that a black basketball player was the best player he'd ever seen play? So, yeah. You know, yeah. you hear those types of things. So, Well, I, I think one of the things you mentioned there that I, because of my situation, I can't take you because I think, you know, there are forces at work as hard as it is to believe forces at work in Kentucky in the fifties, sixties, that were more powerful than Adolph Rupp. That's, that's, you know, that's true. You're you exactly know, right. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, if Rupp had made an issue about, you know, I want Jim Tucker, you know, might have got him fired. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, I, I think the, you know, it's, you know, one operates in a vacuum, and I don't think Rupp was entirely uh, in charge right. in, the, in the sense that the entire state might have risen up in, in protest of that. Right. Let alone, uh, uh, so why do that when you're trying to? When did, when was Memorial Coliseum built? Like fifty two or something. Fifty one, fifty two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got eleven thousand seats to sell. Right. You know, every night. You know, do, do you do you run that risk? You know, of alienating an entire state. Right. You know, to get a basketball player. You know, so I I just have never thought of. Rob- as uh, George Wallace, mm-hmm. just like I never thought of Dean Smith as uh, Nelson Mandela. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think they're all, uh-huh. you know, they're all people. Right. You know, they were all products of their time. And as I, I wrote the other day, you know, in that period when I was learning about everything about college basketball, every coach, basketball or football, was wanted to be Vince Lombardi. Mm-hmm. They were all authoritarian products of a racist society. Right. You know, so what are they going to do? I can remember one of the coaches at Louisville was worried about one of his players. I won't name either. Well, it wasn't, I'll just say it was not Peck Hickman, you know, that said, you know, our main problem is that guy going native on us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, okay. You know, he was a great player, you know, and he won lots of games for him, but still that was in this coach's mind. Right. That that's not really the kind of player we want because he's not going to do what we want. Uh, So I never thought, uh, I never thought badly of Rupp on the whole racist thing, whole race angle. Mm -hmm. They gave him credit Mm -hmm. for recruiting Beard in 64. Would Beard in 64, would would he have been the first black player in the SEC? When was Perry Wallace? Perry Wallace was 67, I believe. Yeah. So three years before Perry Wallace, who was the guy, Perry Wallace was the prototypical guy that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, brilliant guy, what, son of a principal or something. He was the perfect guy and could play. Right. You know, and and three years before that, Butch Beard is going to Kentucky. Right, right, right. No, no, that that's right, that's right. Let me ask you one more question, which is off the subject of Rupp, but since you, I know you still, are you as big a sports fan now as you were when you are writing about the game? Are you as big a college basketball fan or a sports fan overall? Uh, I think the probably the short answer is no, but 
the the longer answer is that that sports to me is fascinating just as competition as contest living you know i I love to watch i I love the drama of it i love the stories um so i pay attention you know since my wife my wife had a stroke four and a half years ago in a nursing home you know the last couple years i've watched virtually every st louis cardinals home game or all of their games on television so i've become that kind of that kind of fan um but I certainly still enjoy it. But I think what keeps me paying attention is that I just love the writing. Mm-hmm. I love the reporting and the writing, you know, and I'll keep doing that until I just can't do, can't do it anymore. Will there be another uh, Morton Lady Potters basketball season this year in the time of COVID? What are they doing with the schools I, there? I think school is going to open and they'll have some kind of hybrid system. Um, some online, but I do think that the basketball season, because they already have decided to move fall sports like cross country and soccer and uh, football, even that talks about moving them to January. Mm-hmm. So I think the girls, I think the basketball seasons will happen, but they won't start. They usually start in November, uh, Thanksgiving. I don't think they'll start until the first of the until January, but I don't know that. That's kind of the the early plan. And yes, I will be there in the grandma section. Well, good. <laughs> and you'll begin, and you'll get your milk duds. <laughs> well, I know they've been a little reluctant. Oh, they so, have cut or, back on your milk uh, duds. <laughs> I, I need a new agent. I think. <laughs> they just sometimes they forget. There for a while. It, it was it was fun. It, it was just fun. For a while, a different player would bring a, the milk duds to oh, me okay. in, the, in the bleachers before the game. Okay. You know, Adolf never treated me that well. <laughs> you didn't get milk duds from Adolf? <laughs> no, Adolf wasn't nearly as pretty as these girls either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe we should end it on that. Dave, you've been very gracious <laughs> with your time. It's an honor to have you on. I sure appreciate it. And is there anything you want to plug or anything that you, uh, that, uh, no, I, I, I appreciate it, John. I've, I've loved Kentucky. You know, I, in, in many ways, I loved being there, used to drive around the state, just going finding a hoop somewhere and finding a story connected to that hoop. Still remember going to Maytown, the talents and a wire hoop on a clothesline, you know, so I, everything I know about basketball, I, learned in Kentucky, you know, sitting next to Hubie Brown when he coached the Kentucky Colonels, you know, talking to Adolph, you know, it's, uh, at, at one point in time, I knew everything about college basketball. You know, today I know nothing about college basketball. <laughs> when, you know, it, it's an entirely different oh, game. It's become a, you know, incredible professional athletics and I'm not as interested in it. That's part of the answer to your previous question. But I, I pay more, much more attention to girls' high school basketball in Illinois. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this has been great, John. Thank you very thank much. You. I appreciate Thank, thank you, you so for remembering me. Oh, uh, I'll never forget you, Dave. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on. All right, John. Talk to you later. Okay, thanks.
Thanks again to Dave Kindred for being on the podcast. Like I said, it was an honor to have him on the podcast. I've been a big Dave Kindred fan for over the years, starting with his days at the Courier-Journal. If you ever come across a book called Basketball, the Dream Game in Kentucky by Dave Kindred, it's hard to find, but if you can come come across it, uh, it is almost like the seminal book on basketball in the state of Kentucky. Uh, so it really was an honor to have Dave on the podcast and to talk about Adolph Rupp. Uh, we appreciate everybody who listens to these podcasts, which you can find on SoundCloud. You can also find them on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. We really appreciate that. Uh, if you want, like to support it, we're very appreciative also of people who support our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and at Kentucky.com. If you'd like to consider supporting our work, uh, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com for just $30 for the first year. Just go to Kentucky.com hit on that subscribe button and you'll see there's an array of options about subscriptions to both the digital uh, digital edition of Kentucky.com and to the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. We really appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. You can follow me on Twitter, John Clay IV. You can follow me, you can uh, email me at jclay at herald-leader.com. We appreciate all the feedback we get on these podcasts. And like we say, I really appreciate everybody who listens to these podcasts. And once again, my thanks uh, to Dave Kendrick for taking the time to talk to us. I hope people enjoy uh, listening to him talk about talk about sports writing and also talk about his time covering uh, Coach Rupp. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be talking to you again soon.